Hello, and welcome to Easy Easy Bake Bake Takes, the podcast where we read you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. And this week, we're continuing our theme by picking M. Night Shyamalan movies. And I picked Signs. This movie came out in 2002. It's rated PG-13. It's an hour and 46 minutes. Before we start, what Episcopal? Episcopal. Episcopal. Former Episcopal. <laughs> oh shit, one second. Episcopal. No, you did it right. I'm just still reacting to your first attempt. <laughs> it sounded much closer to helicopter than Episcopal. Escapacopal. <laughs> Go on. Former Episcopal priest Graham Hess lives on a rural farm in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, with his asthmatic preteen son, Morgan, and young daughter, Beau. Graham's younger brother, Merrill, a failed minor league baseball player, has been helping the family since Graham's wife, Colleen, died in a traffic accident six months earlier. Graham abandoned the church in the aftermath of the incident. When large crop circles appear in the Hess cornfield, they are initially attributed to vandals. However, other crop circles begin to appear globally, and lights from invisible objects hover over many of Earth's cities. One night, Graham and Merrill chase a figure into the field. Over the next several days, Graham glimpses another among the cornstalks, followed by strange clicking noises broadcast through Bo's old baby monitor. To the family's continued terror, news footage emerges of what appears to be an alien. After receiving a phone call from Ray Reddy, the man responsible for his wife's death, Graham travels to Reddy's home and finds him sitting in his car outside of the house. Reddy expresses remorse of Colleen's death and warns Graham that a creature is locked inside his pantry. Believing that the aliens have Avoid water, he leaves for a lakeside. Graham enters the house and uses a kitchen knife to peer under the pantry door. A clawed hand emerges and swipes at Graham. He cuts off the fingers in a panic. As a worldwide alien invasion begins, the family barricades themselves inside their house. When the alien breaks in, the family takes shelter in the basement. Morgan has an asthma attack but survives the night. The family emerges the next morning after the radio reports that the aliens have abruptly abandoned Earth as if something scared them off. The alien, previously trapped inside Reddy's pantry, enters the house and takes Morgan hostage. Recalling Colleen's dying words, Graham tells Merrill to swing away using his baseball bat. The alien sprays Morgan with his toxic gas from his wrists. Graham recovers his stricken son as Merrill engages the creature, discovering during the fight that water is toxic to the aliens. Merrill gradually weakens the alien by snatching several glasses of water left by Bo throughout the house at the creature, eventually killing when one spills directly onto its head. Outside, Graham administers Morgan's medication, realizing that his son's constricted lungs prevented him from inhaling the toxins, an act that Graham attributes to the intervention from a higher power. Months later, the Hess family has recovered from the ordeal and Graham returns to the church. And that's what happens in the movie. Why are you shaking your head? <laughs> the director and writer of this movie is M.I. Shyamalan and he does a great job in <laughs> the cast. We have Mel Gibson who plays Graham Hess. We have Joaquin Phoenix who plays Meryl Hess. Rory Colkin who plays Morgan Hess. Abigail Breslin who plays Bo Hess. Jerry Jones who plays Officer Paskey. And Night Shyamalan who plays Ray Reddy. And also I forgot, Elizabeth Moss has like a little bit in this movie. <laughs> and then we have the trivia. Joaquin Phoenix replaced Mark Ruffalo who had pulled out of the film to a brain tumor but it was later found out to be benign. That's a weird little thing that I didn't know. I couldn't imagine Mark Ruffalo in that role. I couldn't either. I think he would pull off a cool guy better, though. Really? Yeah, I couldn't fully buy that Joaquin Phoenix was cool. I could buy it. I've always thought that. He's kind of a dorky guy. I never thought that. I always thought he was kind of cool. He's got a dorkiness to him. Mm. I don't see it. <laughs> I think he's kind of cool. Well, I wouldn't expect you to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a little biased. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I've I, I I've been a fan. I've been a fan for a long time. That's not to say I'm not a fan. 
I love him. I think I'm more I of a fan. I just don't see him as the cool guy. I think he's a cool guy. And I think that shows that I'm more of a fan of Joaquin Phoenix than you are because of that fact. Sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. I feel like this is how the whole podcast is going to go. I, we'll see. <laughs> this next fact, I do love this next fact. The stories of the children's birth are actually the stories of M. Night Shyamalan's two children. That's cute. That scene always makes me, like, cry, and, like, it's so sweet. And I didn't know they were, like, based on his kids. Like, that's so cute, sweet. Mm -hmm. That is really cute. And this was also really sweet. The um, artwork in the book about extraterrestrials was done by writer and director M. Night Shyamalan's daughter, Sleika Shyamalan. That's cute, too. Yeah, it's really sweet. The crop circles are real, as M. Night Shyamalan doesn't particularly like using CGI. So I guess they did use the methods that they that real people used back in the 70s when they were doing, crop, doing the crop circle hoax. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but also, like, I feel like that was the smartest move because I think back in the day, if they used CGI, it would have looked like crap. I also feel like it's kind of pointless to try and CGI a crop circle. Just make one, you know? Just make one. It's. I feel like that's, it's way more practical. Yeah. Uh, the production used a new watering technique to make the corn grow faster, which the Delaware Valley Agricultural College was then very keen to adopt for themselves. So I thought that was kind of interesting that they... Just for oh, this something movie. good came out of it. it. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> Sean said that this was the easiest of all his movies to write and direct. Huh. Anyway. <laughs> hey, I'll save it. Yeah, save it. Mel Gibson didn't realize Shyamalan was playing the vet until the day that they came to shoot their scenes together. Hmm. Rather unusually, James Newton Howard started scoring the film before it had been shot, as he was able to work with N. Night Shyamalan's detailed storyboards. Which is cool, because I don't know the process of, like, scoring a movie, but, like... Yeah, it's usually after. Yeah. The dramatic dinner table scene was filmed in only three hours. That's my least favorite scene. It just makes me so upset. Mm -hmm. In Night Shyamalan's scene, in which he talks to Hess about the death of his wife, was shot a day after a member of Shyamalan's family died. Why would he do that to himself? I don't know. Take a day off, dude. And Mike Shyamalan cites the birds, Night of the Living Dead, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers as the influ influences of this film. Which I think you can see all three of them Yeah, at different parts. Might be why it was easy for him to write. I don't think he was ripping them off. I think he was influenced and... I'm just saying, Fired. like, it as a genre, I, this, that wasn't like a dig. <laughs> a dig. I'm just saying, like, as a genre, there's already a lot of boxes you already know you have to check. True. Very true. Not a dig. Just simple, a little bit simpler of a genre to write for. Yes, I can see that. Okay, so that was the end of my trivia. Are those not goofs down there? No, I'm going to save these. They're part of my, um, my thoughts and opinions. You start. There are a lot of things that I could normally forgive with a movie if it weren't for the inclusion of Mel Gibson being in this fucking thing. Fair. I could forgive a lot. <laughs> I could forgive a lot more. I could I could say, you know, to hell with it. Who cares if it makes sense? Mel Gibson's here and that makes it not worth it. He's awful. I, he's not a good guy. Yeah. And I personally think that my point from last time with The Village about how he needs a co-writer still kind of stands. I think that he just he just needs somebody to balance him. There's just some things where it's like, like, it just doesn't feel like time is as efficiently spent. It's much better spent here. I'll give him that. Yeah. I don't know. It just, there's like a, a, a lack of a little bit of depth to me with the characters. Like I'm getting like information told to me about everybody and it doesn't feel as much like I'm expecting 
experiencing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm getting to know what labels the world's put on them and not necessarily how that makes them as a person. I get that because I know Graham's character's the preacher, no longer the preacher. Meryl's the former minor league player. The kids are weird, <laughs> you know. Disgraced minor league player. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, and I understand that. And we're told, you know. Uh, we're, we're handed a lot of information. Just like, here you go. Yeah. I think that I'm more on the side of liking the goofiness of the dialogue and the lines themselves more so than enjoying it for its intended purpose at this point. And honestly, that's the best you could get from me with this. Because <laughs> there are you mean like there are comedic moments in this movie done purposefully? Not those ones. <laughs> Most of Bill Mel Gibson's lines. I know like for you, this has a different emotional connection. Mm hmm. To me, everything that comes out of his mouth feels goofy, personally. Okay, that's fair. Even the birth stories. I love... Okay. All right. That I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. And I understand. I understand. You're coming from a different place with this movie than I am. I am. I am. Very different places. And that this movie, for me, is trying to convince me that Joaquin Phoenix was a sports guy in high school. <laughs> He was the sports guy. He was the cool jock sports guy the whole time. I don't fucking buy it. You're trying to tell me Mel Gibson's a good dad and Joaquin Phoenix was a jock? I do not buy it. You're telling me Mel Gibson's a good dad. Oh my god. Oh. All right. But do you get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. I am not going to sit and argue about how I don't think this, the whole logic of the alien invasion makes any fucking sense. We've been down that We've road. We've been down that road. We've had that argument. We've, uh, <laughs> I don't, a lot of tears. I don't want to waste time on an <laughs> argument that we've already had. But you know, I wanted to give you like a genuine reason why I am not a fan of this movie other than- I can respect those. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, the thing that frustrates me about this movie is when people go, it doesn't make sense of the logic. And that's when I... I understand it, but I think it's the logic's stupid. We'll, that's my thing. We'll I understand <laughs> what the proposed logic is, mm -hmm. and I think it could make sense. And I'm not saying it's completely illogical. Mm -hmm. I just think that it's dumb logic. I don't think it's illogical. I just think the logic's stupid. That's all I'm saying. I think it makes sense. I understood it. I still think it's stupid. <laughs> That's where I'm at. So you don't go come at me with, oh, you just didn't get it. Because I got it. <laughs> didn't want to buy it. <laughs> it's that thing from, what is it called? Billy and Mandy and the Grim Reaper or something like that. <laughs> he goes, this movie is stupid. You're stupid. I, that's the only thought that's been on my mind since making this thing. Just, I, I made myself so angry last <laughs> putting in the last details. I, <laughs> and I figured you would. So mm -hmm. I wanted to alleviate some of that. And I understand. Because I don't want to come in here and have the same argument again. <laughs> well, I'll bring it up anyway. But <laughs> no, I know you will. I just want to say, like, my stance on it is I understand it. And you know what? That's fine. And I I understand to a point. Yes. And I can respect that. 
I know we'll get you'll get a, you'll get heated over it anyway. I'll be respectful about it. I I'm gonna I'm gonna just talk about it. You know, I'll talk about yes. it. Yes. Let me try and think if there's anything else before you start. Yes, 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 yes. Go ahead. The children actors are good. Those are two of the best child actors at the time. Definitely. Abigail Breslin did a really good job. Never the kid's fault. No. Joaquin Phoenix did a great job. They were just trying to sell me a fantasy he wasn't <laughs> selling. Mel Gibson, no saving, no saving it there. And he had a lot of lines for me not liking him. <laughs> so you can imagine how I came out of this movie. He is majority of this movie. So I understand. Uh, yeah. I, I understand if you, and I understand not liking this dude completely understand and the yeah. fact that he is mature this movie i can't get past it for this i understand yeah i watched this movie before learning anything about mel gibson so let me just say this i had passion of the christ mel gibson oh. before i had this so like foundations of mel gibson for me very different very 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 different very different Un also yes. very understandable very understandable yeah i'm seeing a clear picture of Yes, I am seeing the picture now for you. I'm seeing that picture. I personally can't take him seriously, and I don't have that emotional connection to him with oh, this I'm not movie. Saying not I have as an a person. I'm not saying. I'm not not as a person. <laughs> Just with the parts Just of this, this movie, role you know, in this movie. That, yeah, yeah. And then it ends there. I couldn't name you another thing I've seen Mel Gibson in other than he voices the rooster in Chicken Run, but I didn't know that until like a few years ago. That is. <laughs> Way to ruin chicken run. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, but you go ahead. All right. Kind of the same thing with the village. It made sense to me back then. It makes sense to me now. I'm uh, a little defensive of it. Oh. I don't see where the hate is coming from. And I know we just discussed some reasons, but... I'll, I'll say... With the village, you were able to at least wrap your head around a little more. A little bit more. Why some people might not be keen. This one, it seems like you at least understand why I personally might not like it. Yes. And I think that's enough. That's a big enough step <laughs> for you. You'll stop there. If that's the yeah. most progress we have I don't today. need to convince the world, you know? <laughs> you I don't need to convince me. you of the world. I just, just need to keep our friendship and keep this thing going, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's my number one priority. Aw, that's sweet. Um, I was a big dork growing up. Surprise. Um, <gasps> what? I was really into aliens, so this was like really Deal cool. Deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really big, really cool alien movie to me. I think, you know, there was also like a, a thriller that was, to me, genuinely scary. I think now, I'm so used to the beats now. It doesn't, it still gives me like the creeps a little bit. Like definitely when he sees the leg in the cornfield or the hand in the basement definitely some creepy moments but it doesn't scare me like it did when i was younger yeah and i love the family i loved the characters and yeah we're told a lot of information about them but i don't know i just i think i liked the i liked i just liked where it was going i thought the dialogue was good i thought there was plenty of funny moments great lines that some lines i still say today like everyone needs to calm down and eat some fruit or something see I, I i get that yeah and the emotional parts too like this family is going through a terrible loss while going through this traumatic alien invasion thing at the same time and it's very emotional the the scene where they're boarding up the windows he's telling them he's expecting them to die it is like he he is telling them the last things he'll probably hear and they're they're having their last meals they're having it's a very like tense last like 30 minutes of that movie and it's it's very emotional it's scary and it's i love this movie i love the pacing i love the way it goes I, a lot of people argue that the pacing was slow i don't 
no, I was engaged throughout the whole thing. It's again with the village. I was still engaged. While we're talking about the lines real quick, what, what does he say to Joaquin in the car? He's like, what kind of person are you? Or, oh, no, no, this is on the couch. They're they're watching the lights hover or, over yeah. the city. But what person are you? Are you type? Are you the first type of person or the second type of person? The person who believes in signs or the per- people who don't? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when he the way he delivers that line, the only thing that popped into my head, and this is where I really leaned into the goofiness of it, mm-hmm. is the way he says it, it reminds me of, no, what kind of bird are you? <laughs> From Moonrise Kingdom. That's forever going to be stuck in my head now whenever I watch that movie now. There's no way I'm going to be able to watch that fucking scene without you fucking saying that line now. What kind of bird are are you? you? (laughs) He delivered that line, by the way. He did deliver that line. He did. He really did. He did. (laughs) But back back to this. Back to signs. Back to this, sorry. Another thing about this movie, I watched it so young, and I didn't grow up religious at all, but this was one of those movies that talked about, not not Christianity per se. Divine intervention. Divine intervention and signs, the universe talking in some way or shape or form. Yeah. And I don't know, I just really always liked that aspect of this movie, and a lot of people didn't, and they thought different different things about it there was a wide range of opinions of like what they thought about that i always really really liked that aspect of this movie so if you don't mind Mm -hmm. can i chime in as somebody who did grow up religious yes absolutely for me that's where the movie felt really uh cliche i guess because that's a message that's pushed so much especially within like christianity Mm. is like everything happens for a reason it's god's plan even if it goes bad that was his plan Plan, and even like somebody dying was part of his plan like it's just this very heavy message of like really looking into everything that happens around you and trying to find like a, a sign from god so for people who did grow up religious whether they're still religious or not i could see how that would strike a chord in a bad way of like i've heard this message a billion times like i i already know this story i know this lesson if that makes sense you know, it does. It absolutely does. And it's a perspective I never, being someone who was not religious, I, I didn't hear that all the time. So this was the movie that did say that. I guess I saw it more in the positive way. Because mm-hmm. I know that saying everything happens for a reason can be upsetting to hear. It's it's sort of a thoughts and prayers kind of thing. It is, definitely. Very like an empty comfort statement. That probably has more of a sting than anything. Because then it brushes off as like, well, that person whatever you know they were supposed to yeah they deserved to die like they needed to die yeah for some change to happen yeah and that's what they're saying with like the the mom that dies the wife that dies in this movie yeah sometimes this happened and it caused something else to happen for you like that's not always a bad thing but like you get what i'm saying i'm not trying to say that that's not true not that it happened for a reason per se but like good things can come out of a bad situation i guess is more so what i mean which i guess can be the positive twist that you put into this movie and i guess when i was growing up again i was young when i watched this so i guess i saw what the movie wanted me to see yeah and i hope that cleared it a little up for you with like why some people might not vibe with this movie there is someone uh there's a negative review 
later on that uh, kind of touches on that. But like having this conversation now, I can see both sides of the coin. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up, I think I had to learn like what it means to like, I do believe there are just moments in life where you're like, oh, this, I mean, I cannot ignore this. Yeah. Moments in life. The stars are aligning. Exactly. There are moments, not every day, not every week, not every month, not sometimes not even every year. There are just moments in life where you're like, oh, here it is. And you can call that whatever you want. You can explain that however you want. I think to wrap it up, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is this was one of those movies where it formed my thinking of life and the world. You know, like that sounds like a big deal to put this movie on, but um, rationalizing. I think I get what you mean. You know, I, I'm kind of rambling here like a crazy person, but... <laughs> Let me say this, and if it makes sense, it makes sense, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it teaches you that there are, those moments at the very least are impactful and important. Not necessarily that every impactful, important moment is like, the is fate, or it's the stars aligning, or whatever, but you can't just ignore those moments that have some sort of impact on you. Yeah, definitely. It might be useful later on. He says like you're one of two people, you recognize signs or you don't, and you think we're all on our own, everything's random, and there might be truth to that. I think there's a part of me that always wanted to believe that there, there isn't. There is some kind of order. Not order. It keeps you from being cynical. It keeps mm -hmm. you from being jaded. Yes. It, it gives you some some type of hope. You're not making every life decision based on little yes little signs or whatever. You're just that was amazing that that coincidence or whatever happened. Yeah, I'm gonna recognize that it happened. I'm not gonna just let it pass by and pretend like the random world just chose me for a second. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. It meant something. That's exactly my point. Exactly. Yeah. To wrap it up, that's what this movie did for me when I was very young. And I guess it just never... Yeah, and I could see that. It never left my mind. But yeah, that was my little spiel about it. What were those goofs that you were talking about? I'll show you the goofs. That was just about the boards being nailed to the doors, but the doors open from... They don't open yeah. to stop the, the door from opening. They open... Yeah. Front, front doors don't open like that. It's a fire hazard. <laughs> what... But no, 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 like when the aliens are trying to open the door, their logic was that the door would stop, but the doors open the other way. So they opened the room, yeah, the door. That's what I'm saying. It would be a fire hazard if it opened the other way. Yeah. But the fact that they put, they yeah. still put the boards up is to still block them because they still have issues with opening doors. Ducking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what they're big squeeze it through they're big they can't do it they're too big they're like seven nine feet tall they're big enough to break a board off a wall that's nailed into it we don't know how strong they are um they could be very weak they'd be very fragile i know we their legs are strong we don't they don't we don't know anything about them so <laughs> yeah we know zero we, we know like zero. they're capable of jumping onto a roof from the ground hmm they must have strong legs moving on to the next point where we have <laughs> This was, IMDb was atrocious to be on. I only, and I swear by it, one or two IMDb ones because they were all yeah. saying the same thing. There were so many people who were like, as a scientist, I'm offended by this movie. Like, uh, let me see your PhD. Yeah. 
There were so many of them. And for this isn't to you. This is for people listening. This is this is out yeah. for the podcast. I'm gonna explain to you. Yeah, I've already said my stance. You've already said your stance, <laughs> and that's fine. I'm gonna explain to the people of the podcast listening who want to watch this movie or want to I'll try to keep my mouth shut. You better. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> so we'll see. the point of the movie is when the aliens come to Earth. You know, because they're hostile, they're probably out, they ran out of resources on their planet, so they're coming to harvest ours. And the whole thing about this movie is that water is their weakness. What a lot of people got upset about was why would they come to a planet with so much water on it that rains? Here is why. It doesn't work like that. It has to be okay. Lava's in the atmosphere, but we're not we're not burning up over here. Okay. So anyway, (laughs) what did you just what did you just say? What did you just say? Lava is everywhere. You you know, um, um, toxic gases are everywhere. We're not. We're fine. Anyway, many viewers. Yeah, the planet's not dying. (laughs) It's not dying. It's not. Let me let's finish. Let's let me let me get through this. Okay. Many viewers. This is what IMDb wrote. Okay, guys. This is. This is facts. Many viewers will ask why aliens who are harmed by water would invade a planet unprotected that is 70% water and has rain. It's likely we don't know what their situation is. If they are desperate for resources, <laughs> they're desperate for resources, they make they may take a calculated risk. Calculated risk. Remember that. We already know their cross circle map was nowhere near water. Remember the farm? There's no water in the area. It's in rural Pennsylvania. There's no big, big water out there. May not be in the area, but it is in the air. Yeah. It's not, but it's not enough to hurt them. We know that. Lava's not in the fucking air. It's carbon dioxide. (laughs) It doesn't hurt. Anyway, hold on. All right. We're talking about the aliens here, okay? It's unlikely that they would know we would figure out and use it against them. The fact that they evaded all at once shows they were not planning on a prolonged engagement, but more of a blitz attack and would not have known if we would fight back or if we would even figure out something as simple as water would be an effective weapon. And that's what the army guy explains is like, this is like a calculated attack. So whatever they needed, I don't know, maybe they just need to come in and get it and go. So it was a calculated risk, you know, it was a, whatever they needed, they needed. Maybe they went maybe they'll come back who knows but it's like one of those things where like you can okay so like everyone's mad that the aliens came to a planet with water on it that they're allergic to or something but we go to mars where there's no air so it's like what's the argument there yeah we don't go without air but it's like but like if we can't breathe air why do we go we send a we sent a rover we're not on mars we have a robot on mars we are not we're on talking mars. about going there to mars a robot we're on mars. talking about going to mars we went to the moon that has no air did we go there without oxygen supply no but like why did we go there at all if there's no oxygen what's the point because we're competitive the <laughs> russians were like we'll do it and we went okay bitch not if I go first. The, and we brought oxygen to offset the negative effects that the moon would have on us as human beings who need oxygen. So we brought oxygen. That was more than a calculated risk. That was just a complete smart plan to bring the thing that'll keep you alive to be in this environment. I think what people are upset about is that this movie ignores literally how the how shit works on our planet. And I understand from your end, you're like, just shut up. 
The movie didn't make it a problem. Stop making it a problem. Because it wasn't a problem. I didn't think about it. It didn't bug me. Didn't bug I'm me. not an environmental scientist, so I don't give two shits, you know? Yeah. I get why it pisses you off that people bring it up. But for everybody else, it's like the, that's not how no-fly zones work with the village. It's like there is a fundamental piece of logic that you're ignoring. You're just ignoring, in this universe, the atmosphere is not filled with water. In this universe... <laughs> None of the logic fucking matters. That's what pisses other people off that are like, that is literally not how it works. We're just going to pretend like this this isn't how it works. So on both sides, you're, bad, you're mad at them for bringing it up. They're mad that the movie <laughs> didn't bring it up. That's all. I think no one should talk about it. I get why you're upset. Yeah. Yes. It's, that's, and that's why I wanted to bring you more than just yes there's water in the atmosphere it's 70 percent water i stand by i agree with these people i think it's <laughs> fucking stupid to just ignore the fundamentals of how our planet works but at the same time the movie didn't make it a problem you don't need to make it a problem and i didn't you know and i've been fine exactly. ever since <laughs> i don't know if i would use the word fine because <laughs> You're angry at the other people just as much as they're angry at the movie. But you're on the movie side and that's good enough for you. It, it is. I don't think it's an issue. Therefore, it's not an issue. People who make it an issue. Yeah. That's your that's their problem. And I'm 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 along for the ride here. And like you said, the movie didn't make it <laughs> like you said. And this is I'm going to use this for now on. The movie didn't make it an issue. Therefore, I don't make it an issue. I think it's just a thing with some of his movies that you have to just let that go. <laughs> you have to let go. Check your logic at the door. Okay? There's not any here. What's that <laughs> phrase? What do they use in movies? Like the realm? Oh, just the suspension of disbelief. Suspension of disbelief. You need just a little bit for his movies. Just a little bit. Just have a little bit of an open mind and have fun with it. To be fair here, let's just, I feel like for your blood pressure, <laughs> we have to <laughs> just be fair. The fact that not everybody is going to have their mind changed by just saying, let it go. I'm here trying to defend it. Some people are just as much on a hill that they built as you are. Yeah. And they will also go to their graves defending their point. Very true. I hate it because of Mel Gibson. I am a logical person who hates this movie because Mel Gibson is in it. And that's fair. That's fair. The other, the, the other people just need to put the textbook down and turn the movie off. <laughs> yes. And that's all of INDB. They're wasting a lot of energy. They're wasting your energy. They are. They're wasting their own energy. They are wasting my t all the time I could be spending watching signs. They are wasting on <laughs> <laughs> with arguing about the logic of signs. They're just right here in your ear the whole time. They are. Like, they are. I understand what they're saying. I don't think that any of those people are incorrect in what they're asserting. Mm -hmm. But if you can't wrap your head around it, go away. <laughs> Just leave the people who like this movie alone and move on. Yeah, leave us alone. Leave me alone. You're not going to change my mind. You're making Riley upset. You're making me mad. Yeah. This movie isn't stupid. You're stupid. <laughs> that is my stance. You can't change it. And I'm not going to change their mind. And you're not going to change theirs. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to change theirs. So we're going to move on. I'm going to skip this next one because I already kind of touched on it a little bit of them. Yes. Doors are hard sometimes. Yeah, I mean, that's, not their, that's not their fault. They're already not thinking straight. They came up to a planet that's 70% water. They're desperate. They're very desperate. Last thing I'll say. I'll, this is the last thing I'll say. <laughs> that again, I think proves where I think Mr. Shyamalan needs a co-writer. 
which I don't disagree with. I do because he has great ideas. Yeah, I think he's a fantastic director, and his concepts are very interesting. It would be interesting to see someone lay it out differently. Someone needs to rein it in, mm-hmm. so it doesn't piss half of the people watching the movie off. Yeah, and the other half who like it <laughs> as well. It's, he, he's dividing rooms <laughs> with this movie. And he doesn't need to be. Doesn't he doesn't need, need to. to be. But again, I hope that I brought you enough reason to kind of understand outside of science. The way you explained it. I, it's like the village, you know, kind yeah. of thing. I, I got my opinion and everyone's got theirs. And that's okay with with, yes. with this movie. That's all right. And I'm going to let it go. Because I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend my time watching science and enjoying it. Yes. Instead of arguing with people. I'd be the bigger person and I'm going to go watch science. Exactly. Yes. So let's move on to audience reviews. Unless you have, you want to add anything? No, I think we've talked a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Debbie Lynn Elias wrote an article for Signs, and it says, With his latest masterpiece, Signs, M. Night Shyamalan has firmly ensconced himself as the king of the psychological thriller. Paying homage to the original master of the genre, not only does Shyamalan play the audience like a piano as he plays with our minds through a deftly crafted script, minimal amount of butt-intriguing characters and toe-curling fear, keeping us at arm's length and on the edge of our seats. He also goes 10 steps beyond Hitchcock, leaving much of the gore behind as we saw in The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, ultimately giving us hope in a seemingly hopeless world. The simplest forms of daily life are expertly used with subtle nuance to create the plot and establish the ever-increasing tension and suspense. Seeing the aliens are using the crop circles which have turned up all over the world as navigational guides. Okay, and explain this. Aliens could travel through galaxies but can't read a map or compass. Obviously, we are dealing with the males of the species. <laughs> as many may recall, crop circles were seen all over the world back in the 1970s, leading most to believe that supernatural forces were at work and the end was near. Fortunately, in 1991, the perpetrators of the hoax came forward, acknowledging their deception and explaining how they pulled off such a coup. Of course, all unexplained and explained supernatural phenomenon takes on life of its own as the years go by, capitalizing on the public's poor memory skills and need for tabloidesque tales. And crop circles are no different, giving Shawan the opening in which to creep into our psyche, playing on our shortcomings and rashly manipulative our suspenseful cravings. Once again, injecting the fingernails, stinging in the leg, cover your eyes, I can't look suspense factor, at which he excels. Shawan soon has the alien beings evading the house property, intensifying its suspense. Television is used as a means to report the events and occurrences around the globe with in depth news coverage, complete with shadowy alien images and panicked and fearful news angels. Anchors, all shown before a cowering and timid Hess family. Technically enthralling, Shyamalan is not only the master of filming scenes where the action is off camera and thus leaving the visuals to our imaginations, but also shoots with long continuous takes, thereby building tension in the actors and their performances as the camera stays steady and intensifies the work. In what will undoubtedly garner him an Oscar nomination, Gibson gives a riveting yet calculatedly modulated performance as Graham Hess with a maturity rarely seen in his previous works. After his stellar showing in We Were Sold and now with signs, there's no question that Gibson is one of the finest actors in history of film. It's a big statement. Yeah, it's a big statement. Joaquin Phoenix once only considered a shadow of his now-deceased brother, River. He has truly come into his own with his portrayal of the quirky, depressed former baseball player, Merrill, and has a talent of blending the dramatic with the absurd, convincingly wearing his, his heart on his sleeve without overkill. And as with The Sixth Sense, Shyamalan 
evokes brilliantly touching performances with his child stars Ward Colkin and Abigail Breslin as the Hess children. An emotional yet old-fashioned scary movie punctured with terror and psychological suspense. Signs will have you holding your breath, biting your nails, and sitting on the edge of your seat even long after the film has ended. Listen, <laughs> in comparison to like the village quality wise i don't see a huge amount of difference between the two personally mm -hmm. i i think that this easily could have gotten just this movie could have easily gotten just as much shit as the village i'm not saying that it doesn't deserve some sort of praise but this is like too high of praise this is like if i wrote it <laughs> yeah because like sure like it's it's suspenseful it's got good parts of a thriller in there is it the best of that no no it isn't i don't think that was an oscar worthy performance from gibson i don't i don't either and i'm not about to yeah yeah the whole gibson thing i am not on i'm not on the side of i'm not trying to shit on this movie but like it is not worthy of this much praise so i appreciate the enthusiasm debbie but no <laughs> i i do appreciate the enthusiasm i agree that it's a really good thriller. I wouldn't say it's the, well, when I'm trying to think of another thriller, I can't, I don't have one on the top of my head. In like a general sense, not a personal feeling sense, mm -hmm. this one, not the best thriller out there. And I believe you too. Are there probably better thrillers out there that I would, that I would say are probably better thrillers? Yes. Not to say it's bad. It's just not in the upper echelons of thrillers. And this was written back in the day. Too. And there had been a lot that came out in that time, though. Yeah, exactly. And looking, just knowing where we are now, I don't think science is brought up as often as this person would say it is. Yeah, I do appreciate the enthusiasm. Do you have anything else to say for this one or... No. So this next one was written by John Powers, August 7, 2002. <laughs> and the title of this one is called Crap Circles. Nice. <laughs> John writes, The best moments in Signs, a new thriller that offers a faith-based approach to intergalactic warfare, comes in its opening scene. Will Gibson plays a lapsed minister who jerks awake in his bed at dawn's early light. Unable to find his children in the house, he heads outside and races into the cornfield, whose tall stalks seem to devour him. Eventually, he finds his kids staring at a section of the field in which the corn stalks have been bent flat to the ground. As they all gap, the camera rises to give us an aerial view view an elaborate series of crop circles in the green field below and we're left to ponder its enigmatic meaning is this a senseless prank by local yokels some mysterious sign left by extraterrestrials or is it just maybe a sign of cosmic perhaps even divine import given such a cool premise and a nifty ad campaign audience gasped with delight when they first saw the trailer it's no surprise that the movie opened last weekend to record-breaking ticket sales nor is it surprising that newsweek's cover should dub the film's young writer director producer in Shyamalan the next spielberg and hollywood's hottest storyteller by which they don't mean that he's actually better than spike jones wes anderson or paul thomas anderson but that his movies make a makes lots more money. Magazines routinely swoon before anyone who shows signs of being hugely popular, especially if he's part of the under 35 demographic, they're so desperately wooing. Still, as one who raced to an early show of signs on its opening Friday, I don't want to be cynical about people's eagerness to see it. For like crop circles themselves, the movie's seductive taps into two common impulses, the longing for transcendence, for something more, 
and the desire to escape semantic overload. Even as we're increasingly bombarded by signs of all kinds, in ads and logos in video games, in internet pop-ups, in political speeches, and news footage of catastrophes, the deeper meaning of things appear to be slipping away. For all our skill at seeing through the bogus signage of commercial culture, we find it harder and harder to know which signs are evanescent and which might actually cut to the core of being. And they say, I sometimes wondered whether Carl Jung's ideas about UFOs, he saw our fascination with them as a form of psychological projection, were familiar to Steven Spielberg, or as I like to call him, the original Spielberg. No one, after all, has matched his brilliance at using space creatures to create moments of pop transcendence. In both Close Encounters of the Third Kind and E.T., he portrayed aliens not as monsters but as source of wonder and, moreover, something benign. Shyamalan pulled off a similar trick in his breakout film, The Sixth Sense, which turned seeing dead people away from the scarifying and into a way of opening up an alternate reality beyond the material. To a lesser extent, he did the same thing in Unbreakable, whose comic book alter egos were driven to forces by destiny far grander than mere reason could hope to understand. Working with a gravity unusual in today's Hollywood, Shyamalan told us that things beyond our ken are still worth knowing. He thoroughly betrays the idea in Signs, which brings the same plotting, patriarchal pretentiousness, and supernatural thrillers as Road to Perdition did to crime pictures. Enthralled by his own genius and desire to make another blockbuster, Shyamalan has taken a terrific B-movie idea and inflated it into what he wants us to believe is a serious commentary on faith. In fact, it's preachy, reactionary guff that serves only to resurrect benighted ideas about religion and family. As I watched, I kept thinking about how much smarter and scarier I found Mark Pellington's The Mothman Prophecies, which takes exactly the same elements, a literal hero, a small town setting, inexplicable messages, the possibility of space aliens, and a dead wife who offers saving words, even a wise female cop, but tells the story with pulpy, paranoic panache. Panache. <laughs> I've heard this happen la- like, I don't know if it's last time or not. Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> Signs opening minutes provide a genuine Spil- Spilgarian thrill for the audience is turned on by the what the crop circles might portend. Of course, the problem with posing a huge enigma at the beginning of a blockbuster is that eventually you must resolve it, and as the X-Files prove, there are more enigmas out there than good explanations. The revelations are doubly disappointing in Signs, for Shyamalan doesn't fully exploit the teasing eeriness of the crop formations, but quickly scuttles in it in the favor of a slack tale about space invaders. These aliens may have have the know know how to fly halfway across the universe, but still can't seem to figure out how to get themselves out of a locked pantry. In fact, this hostile invasion too is only a pretext for science ultimately isn't about crop circles or space in or the expansion of consciousness. No, it's about how Mel Gibson's paterfamilias regains the religion belief in clerical collar he abandoned when his wife died in a car crash, a belief that will allow him to become once again a proper father. Rather than make his hero regain his faith the old-fashioned way, by making peace with his wife's death and finding God's hand in the world in the worldly signs surra- that surround him, Shyamalan manipulates the plot details so wantonly that the movie winds up feeling like a cheap fundamentalist ceremony. As Slate's David Edelstein noted in his splendidly crushing review, Shyamalan is saying that when you reject God, you kill your kids. Taking care not to offend anyone, but possibly us atheists, Gibson's Christian minister belongs to no particular denomination. Science dishes up the ultimate in calculated non-sectarian religious religiousity, one that suggests that merely believing in someone's in some sort of supreme being can save us from the world's ills. I understand what they mean. 
but I don't think that this movie... I mean, it's hard to see Mel Gibson in something and not think that it's a little heavy-handed on the Christianity message, but I don't think it's necessarily saying what this person's taking from it. Yeah. I just think this person's like a weird, different extreme. Yeah. It's like one of those things, like when we read negative reviews, like the critic kind of takes things a little personally. Like a bad faith critique. Mm -hmm. Not saying his points are, are wrong necessarily, but you can tell there's a bitterness. And that's just something I'm now realizing as I'm reading through it. Oh yeah, it's it's very pointed. But I do think they make a really interesting point when they say, even as we're increasingly bombarded by signs of all kinds and ads and logos and video games, internet pop-ups and political speeches, news footage and catastrophes, the deeper meaning of things appears to be slipping away. We are find it harder and harder to know which signs are evanescent and which might actually cut to the core of being. I think that's a good point to make, or at least a good thought to have with this movie, and like, and not not necessarily like a critique of this movie, but like what we were talking about earlier was like when you have that kind of mindset, it could kind of lead to that path of like, well, if everything's a sign, what is a sign? You know, like yeah. I, and I agree. I think that makes a little more sense of what we were trying to say. It is detrimental. It can be. Yeah, definitely. That mindset, definitely. Oh, he calls it preachy, which even I can see that a little bit. Yeah. Especially when you were talking about growing up religious. This is just something you've already heard before. So I definitely can see that. Like I was saying, like, I don't think it was super out there with it, but it it is, a, I could see it. I could see it. I just think this person took it. Yeah. A little personal. A little far, yeah. The other thing he says is like how he found the movie very similar to Mark Pellington's The Mothman Prophecies. It's kind of like last week too, you know, how like how similar the village was to um, that book, that one book. Yeah. And then again, here we're seeing some some strong similarities <laughs> with this. Yeah. Not saying anything. I'm just saying it's it's interesting. <laughs> That's kind of a little what I was getting at with him saying this was the easiest movie for him to write. Mm. There are a lot of places to already pull things from that are expected of these types of movies, especially with alien invasions and sci-fi. And I'm not saying if he did that it was purposeful. It could be an accident. You could argue that it was one of those one of those things where it was like you had it was in the back of your head and you genuinely thought that it was an original thought, but it wasn't. Yeah. It happens. This next one is a negative review, if you can tell, by Tony Medley. They give it a one out of ten. First, at Disclosure, I was one of the few people who didn't like The Sixth Sense. I even saw it twice to give it a chance. That said, I went to see Signs, also by writer-director M. Night Shyamalan. With justification, compared with Signs, The Sixth Sense is Casablanca and Sizzicade roll into one. Even though this is science fiction, this movie is without a point or reason, although it struggles to make some sort of point about loss of faith. The script is trite and the acting worse, especially the children, Ori Culkin and Abigail Breslin. Shalon must have put on a casting call for children who mumbled their lines and couldn't be understood if, you, if your life depended on it. If so, he got what he wanted. There should be subtitles when these children speak. Another part, Jerry Jones plays a cop. She is just unbelievable. I'm not using that word like <laughs> like you say, wow, she's unbelievable. She's unbelievable unbelievable as a cop. In fact, it looked to me as if she would be unbelievable in any role, cop or no. I kept picturing Frances McDormand in the role, but this was wishful thinking. Miss McDormand wouldn't waste her talents on a tripe like this. Being in this film would diminish almost anyone. But the bad acting by Cherry and Culkin and Breslin is consistent with the quality of the film, which has no discernible raisin deter. When the movie ends, you say to yourself, well, so what? It lacks anything that would involve the viewer. 
It's not scary or frightening or tense or romantic or anything else. Oh, it's got the occasional cheap shock aided by music that reminds you to jump if what you see on the screen isn't that moving, but these shocks are romantic at most. Worse, signs is melodroid, where a flashlight is turned on in a darkened basement. It's like the sun rising. The single flashlight has enough power to light up the city of Los Angeles. I'm not giving anything away when I tell you that Shyamalan wants you to believe that extraterrestrial could conquer space, create the crop designs, come from light years away to earth, but can't get in a basement with a door blocked by an axe. These are surely the dumbest extraterrestrials in the universe. Shyamalan apparently wanted to mimic Orson Welles' photography in Citizen Kane, where the 25-year-old Welles pioneered ceiling shots in odd angles. Shyamalan likes to shoot from the floor, suffice to say that Shyamalan is no Welles. This movie is devoid of everything, there's nothing funny, I saw nothing scary, there's nothing to deduce, there's no real plot except survival, there's no lesson, it's dark, there's a lot of wearisome talk. The one good thing about it is that it's over an hour and 47 minutes. The bad thing is to think what a terrible waste it was of an hour, hour and 47 minutes. But I'm being too kind. The end. <laughs> they hated it. I don't think the kids were that bad. They might have mumbled a little. They mumbled but... a little bit. I think, uh, in my opinion, I think it adds a little bit of realness because kids mumble terribly. As <laughs> Mumbler. <laughs> kids, I'm not kidding, kids mumble and they do. So if anything, it was realistic. <laughs> I don't remember what, what it's from, but I think it was a TikTok audio, but it's like, kid, you're so cute, but I can't understand a word you're saying. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, that's um, Squirt from Lil Nemo. He goes, you're very cute, but yes. I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, that's from Lil Nemo. That's yeah. from Finding Nemo, yeah. You know, Lil Nemo, yeah. the Pixar movie. Yeah. <laughs> Lil Nemo, you know that? <laughs> Lil Nemo, don't, you know that kid, Lil Nemo down the block? You know that movie, Lil Nemo. <laughs> yeah, he's Archie's kid. <laughs> Before we move on, we need to do a curse, curse childhood movies, which I don't know if we touched on before. Cat in the Hat is definitely one of them. Fine, I'll replay the Cat in the Hat PS2 game and traumatize myself again. <laughs> my hands are tied. <laughs> you forced my hand? I'm sorry, I'll do it. Noah has a PS2, I'll play it. Okay. <laughs> I called dibs on Cat in the Hat then, because that was also a car movie. Yes. Yes. I just want you to know, that was like next to Coraline for how many times I watched that movie as a child. Damn. Serena and I were obsessed with that movie, and I hope you could tell. Yeah, oh no, you can't. <laughs> You're not hiding it well. You can't. Mumbler. <laughs> I don't even remember that line. That's so fucking funny that you said that. That might have been from a different movie. It, it sounds relative to that movie, though. I bet it is. I bet it is from Cat in the Hat. It's from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <sighs> That's also a good one. We should do that at some point. I think we've talked about it. I'm sure we have. I don't want to do like original versus no, new. The I newest superior and I will one. fight everybody My on it. My parents made me watch the 70s one. I'm like, this is not. I remember whenever it would be like on ABC Family, they like always played both of them mm -hmm. and they would just like play them at random times. Anytime I turned it on and it was the old one, I was like, mm -mm. no no turn this shit off i want the stupid flashback scenes in weird places the giant palace made of chocolate yes i want that shit i don't want the mom singing a song while doing laundry it's tim burn or nothing with that movie and i'm not the biggest tim burn fan out there but tr the charlie tim burn charlie Ch chocolate wow charlie and the chocolate factory is the best maybe we should just do like tim burton then and one of us do that and the other one i guess i'll do the other one yeah then i'll pick one yeah, because that's honestly probably my favorite. I'll probably do Corpse Bride then. Yeah. All right, that'd be good. But anyway. <laughs> Mumbler. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, those are very talented kids. We have seen them before. We've seen them again after this. I, I, I think they're both very talented. When you have kids in movies, a lot of times they ruin the movie. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you have strong opinions about that. I do. I just, I find them hard to be likable sometimes and believable. Well, I think Richard Propes said it like the best way. He said, basically, I think I think it was Little Miss Sunshine. He said, sometimes kid actors, they just, they're kids. They literally haven't, they don't know their voice yet. They don't know who they are. Like, they're kids. They don't, there's not a lot that you can expect from them. And that's the nice way to say it. Yeah. If it's good enough to make you sit through the rest of the movie then it's pretty good for a kid actor yeah that's the whole thing it's one of the, these kids were great i thought they were fantastic i think they are of they're not the worst part of this movie <laughs> definitely not i have no complaints mel gibson is yes agreed <laughs> yes just the fact that he's in it <laughs> yeah he shouldn't have done that that was a bad move on his part yeah Clint Eastwood turned this role down I honestly wouldn't mind if I saw Clint Eastwood in this movie I wouldn't have mind it would have been weird how old he is probably would have hit a kid <laughs> would have smacked Rory Culkin you know you know he would have stop having an asthma attack <laughs> just breathe what do your lungs not work oh my fucking god that would be so that's exactly why they could <laughs> this movie. In no way would be believable in that scene where, like, he's helping him breathe. That is so not clean. This <laughs> would be smacking you in the face. Just breathe. <laughs> in no way. In no way would that work. Like, there's no way Cleanus would have had that, like, t like that moment of like helping a child. Let me tell you, it's already hard enough to believe that Mel Gibson did. <laughs> When you said the most unbelievable part is Mel Gibson being a good father. <laughs> that is. It's already hard enough with him. Clint Eastwood, I'm not saying he's a bad dude or anything, but it's hard watching, growing up watching his movies and knowing how tender he has to be in this movie. It's just not. It doesn't match. It just doesn't match. It doesn't work. My suspension of disbelief doesn't go that far. Yeah, it's so fucking funny. That, just the idea of that is so fucking funny. <laughs> We have derailed in a way on this episode that I didn't expect. I thought we would have been not talking to each other right now. But like... <laughs> I know. Like, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Just if, if, I, if you really believe it's that. It's 20 minutes long. <laughs> the podcast is... No, we've uh, we definitely derailed. <laughs> in good ways, in good ways. We talked about Charlie the Chocolate Factory and Cat in the Hat, and I've been painting my nails through this. So like... <laughs> We're all over the place right now. I think we're doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we're almost at two hours and we're not even done with the critics yet. We are, we're gonna get there. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna zoom through this, okay? Okay. Yeah, this person, they really hated it. I do think that it's kind of the idea of like a loss of faith is kind of muddled in there. And I think that's the fault of Mel Gibson. That's fair. I understand like if he used to be a preacher or whatever people are still gonna come up to him and like ask him for advice about things but like it didn't seem like he was super removed from it like it didn't seem like he had fully lost his faith and he just i don't know if that makes sense like i feel like part of him was like i just can't put that message across that's very true because it's not like he ever states that either like he never objectifies it he just yeah yeah i i totally see that and i totally get that he's not cynical he's not cynical enough to convey this message that supposedly yeah. is 
supposedly is his character. And I get that. And I will say, like, I think if it were somebody else who is willing, I'll say more so than anything, to convey, like, somebody who had lost their faith, then I think it would have sold the message a little more. When so you think of somebody who's lost their faith, you don't think of a guy who's just kind of, like, meh about not believing in God anymore, especially after being a priest or a preacher who is literally telling other people why they should believe the in, in this and why they why this is true and why it's important and whatever it would be a bigger hit than just being meh about it very he'd be more bitter yeah he'd be cynical he'd be bitter you would hear it too like i understand like trying it's a small town yeah but when he's at home like you think you would hear him talk about it more at least with his brother a little more cynically than he does and i understand like when you're out in town it's a small town you don't want to like upset people ever yeah you don't want to ruin your reputation with everybody but like when you're at home with your family at least with your brother have an open conversation about that and not just be like well my wife died and somebody killed her so i'm not going to church right now he says it a little bit in his speech where like oh you're two kinds of people yeah. he's like well i'm this kind i don't believe in anything <laughs> what kind he... of bird are you <laughs> this is never gonna leave my mind every time i see this movie i'm gonna forever think that now <laughs> but he does we get to see that in that glimpse in that moment in that one monologue yeah but that's it that is that one moment in the movie where we get to see that kind of cynical that cynicism that is the only time we actually see it. Yeah, and I kind of get where the last person was coming in, where it's like, if you don't believe in God, then you think that you should kill your kids. That was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. Not to that extreme, but I get what they're saying with that, where it's like, if you lost faith in God or whatever, now you're okay if your kids get killed by these aliens. Like, now you're now you're like less willing to go out there and fight these aliens off and do everything to save them. What you would rather do is hide and kind of expect the worst. Mm, yeah. And see no possibility of, for the most part, of a hopeful ending, I guess. Like, he seems more like he's lost hope than he has lost faith. Oh, that's a good way to put it, actually. It, yeah, if you actually had to um, narrow it down, that's actually probably a good way to put it. One thing before we move on, this person went after the woman that um, played the cop. Hey, women could be cops too, guy. Exactly. You know what? Exactly. And I enjoyed her character. I like her character. She's got, like, witty little comments, and I like it. <laughs> I think she did good. I also don't think we've ever read a positive review from this guy. If I'm, my memory serves me. Yeah, I think so. I think I think you're right. All right. Well, thanks, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> this next one, this is a positive one. I see green people by Joshua Rothko, written August second, two thousand two. Signs is a tense experience. Even the opening cre credits lunge at your throat with orchest orchestral shrieks. It may one day reveal itself as a minor classic, a new invasion of the body snatchers for the manufacturer's scare of its day. Both films occur suggestiveness in local miniature. If Thorn Wilder ever staged an intimate version of Independence Day, it would probably look a lot like this. If we're going to have an alien invasion movies, I'll take such close encounters over a gung-ho fighter pilot saving the planet. This first section circles cagely around the unthinkable pitting our skepticism against humor and distraction. The tension is a familiar one. In My Child Line doesn't have a last name that lends itself euphemously to an adjective, but if it did, this is what we would mean by it. At root, his films are patient, 
vindications of crazy face of ghosts and comic book heroes. Loneliness is his theme, and when blessed with courageous performers, as in the sixth sense, he can take us just about anywhere. The fractured family of signs requires some convincing of the things slithering nightly in their cornfields. In those moments of vulnerability and doubt, they, like Shyamalan, have us in their grip. So it comes as something of a letdown when out of the bag jumps the cat. Slinky, olive-oiled ETs and all their undeniable funkiness. Bug-eyed and scowling, they pretty much fit the bill of Central Galaxy casting. One gets trapped in a pantry, another captured on video crashing a little boy's birthday party. News anchor warns viewers they might find the footage disturbing. It certainly is that, but you can feel the movie chorusing its tactics as the family barricades itself in the basement. The lights go out doors start thumping, one of the kids has an asthma attack, etc. Naturally, it's all tastefully done, cinematographer Tak Fujimoto's shadow palette is the star here, but there's no avoiding a certain deflation when the otherworldly threat turns out to be so, well, zombie-ish. Why do they hate us? Then as now, it makes no difference, but Shyamalan's rebounds with his stupefying last reel, all but guaranteeing science its rightful place as an uncanny document of record. There's no purpose in spoiling the string of coincidence and symbols that carry us home, but it's impossible not to gawk at a salvation so badly faith-based mysticism versus mayhem in the era of Bush too. <laughs> You stumble out of the theater into post-invasion America, the white flash of Graham's restore collar fresh in memory. I wonder how godless you are. Signs is, <laughs> Signs like the best genre work is idly of the moment. For all its terrorized genre flecting, genuflecting means kneeling down on one knee. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know what that word meant. For all its terrorized genuflecting, mm -hmm. it's sure to grow in fascination as the moment in inevitably recedes. That last paragraph is like kind of crazy. I don't think it's necessarily trying to make you Christian, but like if you haven't, this movie won't make you think about maybe the godless nature of your life at the time. I just, I don't know. Which, which I get. I, I, I get how you can make that argument. I don't agree with it. But yeah, um, anything you want to add before we move on to audience reviews? Nope. We're gonna start with a 10 out of 10. So this is from INDB. The title is This Means Something. It was in August 2002. Most of the people that comment on this video are going to relate to the fact that they were disappointed. And that's okay. Your opinion of a movie should always include your pre-showing as well as the post-showing emotions. But to those people, I have to say, you just don't get it. <laughs> Everyone's going to have this movie thinking it's some kind of chilling horror or blood and gore slasher flick. Shalon doesn't do these tired genres, thankfully. Instead, he gives us a warm, funny, emotionally charged, and yes, suspenseful thriller who manages to compact an entire list of genres into one whole film. I have seen this movie twice already, the first time for myself, and the second time just for crowd reactions. I wasn't bored through either showing. This is in part of some great acting by Phoenix and some phenomenal acting by the two child leads. Gibson isn't too bad either, but I have to admit, his part could have been played by anyone. Sorry, Mel. <laughs> I think for the first time, Shyamalan really brings us a film that doesn't rely on smoke and mirrors to please the audience. For all those naysayers out there, I would suggest that you view the film again, either now or when it is available for home use. Look and listen closer. You might just be able to make out the signs. Listen, I got it. <laughs> okay? I got it. <laughs> It has nothing to do with intelligence. I've put this one down before we had our conversation. Mm -hmm. We've said it with like the past few movies. You can get it and still not like it. Yeah. You could not get it and like it. It could happen both ways. Both ways. Mm -hmm. I just don't like putting down those two genres and being like, well, Shyamalan doesn't do those. No, I totally get that. I just don't like their tone. Because I do like those genres and those genres can be amazing, but they don't have to be diminished. And he's dabbled in those. Yeah. 
I do agree about Mo Gibson. I think what I'm getting from what they're saying more or how I felt was I think anyone could play that part the way he played it. But there are tons of people who could have played it better. Yes. That's a good way to put it. All right, I'm going to move on to one out of 10 stars <laughs> from INDV. It's titled Passion of the Aliens. <laughs> That's the title of this episode. <laughs> this is good. I've decided. Passion of the decided. Aliens. That's perfect. I love it. It's either going to be crap circles or Passion of the Aliens. Yes. It was written on June 19, 2006. Mel Gibson plays a real Pennsylvania farmer. A real Pennsylvania farmer who doesn't do a single second of farming during the entire movie. It gets worse. <laughs> Mel's mundane, celibate existence is really interrupted when seven-foot furry green aliens who fart at the wrist decide to invade the planet. <laughs> More specifically, have set their nefarious extraterrestrial sites on seeking that global strategic position that every nation on earth is vying for yup that's right rural pennsylvania <laughs> is that how you spell pennsylvania no they put y'all at the end <laughs> wait is it oh it is they switched the i and the y they spelled pennsylvania wrong three times <laughs> and i'm sorry the aliens are not furry Everything else is right, though. That's why I picked it. <laughs> of all the places to go, rural Pennsylvania. It's cornfields. It's just cornfields. But also, close to the coast, fucking Montana would have made more sense. I get it, he's from there, but like, dude, not every movie has to be set there. Yeah, I was at, my point was like, um, because of Philadelphia. Not a good enough reason. <laughs> oh my god. This one's at two and a half stars from Letterboxd. Every time Joaquin was on screen, my mom softly gasped and whispered, Joaquin, which first of all is a big mood and second of all made this movie way more dramatic than it actually was because it was uh, boring. This is me though, watching the movie. It sounds like your mother. It sounds like my mother. <laughs> it sounds like your mother. <laughs> yeah. The sixth one is four and a half stars from Letterboxd. Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix in the same house together is infinitely more terrifying than anything in an alien invasion could conjure. Which is very true. I bet those two are not buddies in real life. They don't have much to talk about. I don't think they do. I just don't feel like they do. This next one's from a letterbox. It's three stars. My two brain cells couldn't stop thinking about the dancing alien meme the whole time. What the fuck? I get that. I get that. They're they're lanky. I got it. <laughs> this next one's from letterbox. It's four stars. I beat that bitch with a bat. Hey, sorry I blew you <laughs> off. I was getting lunch with Microsoft. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. This is the next one's a one star. Goes, I only caught the last five <laughs> minutes of this, but I think that was enough. Honestly, that's that's everything you need to know. <laughs> it, it it wraps up in the last ten to five. Yeah. This next one's a one star from Letterbox. Not gonna lie, I watched this purely so my recent watches have a consistent color palette. This is bad. The characters talk like fucking robots. Where was the direction? Also, that ending was lame. Only thing is I can I can vent at cinematography and score. Everything else is stinky. I can't I can't help but add a review that has the word stinky in it that describe a movie. I think yep. that's always funny. Little Miss Stinky. Little Miss Stinky was probably the best. The sex one's five stars. In quotations, Mo Gibson eats a burger and starts to cry hysterically. Me. So true. <laughs> it is really funny how much he stuffs his face in this movie. He has to fill the god hole. He has to fill the god hole with food. The burger shaped god hole. The burger shaped god hole. Exactly. Not no. for his wife. For God. For God. The last IMDb one. This is a one out of ten stars. It's called Boring, Boring, Boring. As a Sixth Sense was the best of my ten a few years ago, this is the worst of the year. Long, boring, unbelievable, acting for acting's sake, and I was watching my watching my watch every five minutes. A very bad sign of the movie. The director needs to direct or write, but not both, and forget the small party trying to emulate the great Hitchcock. What a turkey. I love it. <laughs> 
I love I that insult. I this one because so it reminded much. me of you. <laughs> I, it's so... Everything you've been saying. It's such a random thing, too, to call somebody a turkey. <laughs> Is there a bad connotation to calling someone a turkey that I don't know about? Because so many people use it. I think it was a phrase at one point or time. Turkey as an insult. It comes from the 1920s. Turkey came to be used as a slang for inferior thea inferior theatrical or movie production. So it's... Oh, wow. It's an actual film term. Yeah. Whoa, I didn't know that. But do you know how in bowling, when you get when you do three strikes in a row, it's a turkey? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a turkey in film, Vanity Fair magazine was one of the first examples. It's a third-rate movie. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, wow. We went to film school and we didn't know this. <laughs> Yeah, why was I never taught what turkey meant? Because we've been reading this forever in reviews. I just thought that people were being silly. I thought, yeah, I just thought people were being goofy. Like, oh, that's a funny thing to call people. It's actually a film term. That's hilarious. Yes. That's actually, wow, we learned something new. There you go. I love that. This last one is an IMDb review. It's 10 out of 10. I cried in Stockley at the end in 2019. There's not much to say after so many other reviews, so I'll say only this. There are two types of people watching this movie. <laughs> Shut up. People who, people who don't get that what the movie is really talking about and don't feel much for the movie. Two, people who get it and are deeply moved because they have experience in their own lives, not the aliens, but the real topic of the movie. And for them, this movie is one of the most brilliant movies ever. That said, whatever group you belong in, there aren't many movies with such moving acting chemistry, believable dialogue, and emotional bulldog. And in the end, even if you don't get it, I recommend you keep the idea of the movie in the back of your mind. There may come a time when it will become relevant to you. 10 out of 10. What kind of bird are you? <laughs> you do a lot of pointing during that, so I wanted to... I... What kind of bird are you? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Anyway. And this is this is not uh, it directed at you, okay? This is not directed at you. What I'm saying right now, if your only argument is you didn't get it, I don't think you have much of an argument on your end. Because all you're saying, oh, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. You just didn't get it. God damn it, I got it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I grew up Catholic. And I've heard that message a bajillion fucking times. And I don't need to hear it again from Mel Gibson. The last part's true. I understand. I do get it. I get that last part. The Mel Gibson argument, I, I can't I can't go compete against. <laughs> Final thoughts. What is your <laughs> review of the movie? Well, I think the review right before this kind of summed up what my final thoughts were. I think I've said a lot and enough. What would you rate it? I would say... You can be honest. It's fine. We've we've already been honest. We've already been honest. It's fine. Okay. Based on the things I said, four. <sighs> All right. L lower than uh, Jurassic Park. That is lower than Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. Does that make you feel better? Or <laughs> I was expecting this one. I was not expecting Jurassic Park. That was a low blow. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't crawl up watching it. We're not having this <laughs> argument again. <laughs> yeah. I... Say eight out of ten movie for me. <laughs> Your face said that said it all with. Did I did I did I do that out loud? <laughs> you might as well have. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And that's where we're gonna leave it. That's, that's where, where we're we'll gonna stop. stop. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. No more outro. No more outro. Gonna... We're just gonna end it. Goodbye. We... <laughs> I'm pressing the leave button. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
so if you have any critiques for us or feedback let us know and you could reach out to us on our instagram at easy bake takes we also have a tiktok at easy bake takes and we have a website where we post our review overviews and transcripts that is easy takespodcast.com you can also follow us over on letterboxd that's easy bake takes and don't forget to follow leave a review and share with a friend because it really helps us out a lot and thank you for sticking with us on this one my name is kat <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> this has been easy bake takes easy watching out there bye <laughs> bye <laughs> oh my god